Can you still hear me? Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> so cringy. I'm trying to think about what to say. This. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're back for a, a episode four for Food in the Hood. So I guess episode four is not the grad school thing. Yeah, this is a bonus episode, specially requested by Amanda. <laughs> of course.、Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so this week's episode is about perceptions and misperceptions of food science. So food is obviously a very visceral, personal thing for a lot of people because everyone eats. And accordingly, I think almost everyone I talk to has an opinion on food and an opinion on food science. So we just found this to be a really interesting topic. And compared to other fields where people might not, you know, easily claim themselves an expert, food science is something that a lot of people have very strong reactions about.、Mm-hmm. Um, and the media also plays into that a lot sometimes. So that's this is just something that we wanted to explore in this episode. Oh yeah. So before we start with our new topic,、uh, we have some follow-ups. The first follow-up、uh, is related to our previous episode. Uh, episode three、uh, about graduate school application and how to choose graduate school in food science.、Uh, but just a disclaimer that we state our focus or the scope of our topics within the U.S. So topics that we discuss is mostly applicable for students who went to undergraduate in the U.S. and try to go to graduate school also in the U.S. Right. So, if you're interested in applying food science degrees outside of the U.S., for example, you're looking at European countries or、uh, Australia, New Zealand, the graduate school requirement might be a lot of different.、Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, personally, I've been looking at some of the European schools, and very interesting is first the funding source. Uh, European schools are very welcoming to international students, but their international student definition、uh, sometimes is within the European Union. Right. So right. only EU students are inter- in an international sense. So you can see that some of the schools are very diverse with、um, you know students from all over the world, but most of them are from the、uh, European countries. And a lot of the funds, especially for stipend funds, is、um, only awarded to people who have citizenship of,、um, you say, like in the European countries. Interesting, I didn't know that. That's actually, you know, that's a funding constringency, and、uh, the PhDs, for example, the PhD applications are very straightforward. It's like a job posting.、Mm-hmm. You would have.、Uh, Say you can you can go up there and look for a certain area or certain professor, certain school, and you go in there, and it will have a basically it's like a job description with all the requirements, and typically all it needs is you email your CV and maybe a letter of intent to the、uh, potential PI. I, I have never I've never proceed beyond that, but I think once you Contact them, and they they will they will have an application screening process. It's more or less like a job, and I don't think you have to take classes. Right? Yeah, that's what I've heard too. I think the concept of taking classes as you do research 
um, that's a lot more heavily utilized by American universities. It seems a lot of times schools in the UK and other European universities just straight up research, especially when it comes to PhDs. Right, right, right. Which is um, which is interesting, and we don't necessarily have that experience. But I feel in the future episodes, we might bring in some guests and、uh, actually talk about food science research around the world. Yeah, that would be really cool. Ben and I have a couple of friends from undergrad who are actually doing their、uh, master's degree in Europe right now. So I think that would be a very interesting perspective to bring our listeners. Oh yeah! So stay tuned. Yes, <laughs> nice little plug there.、Um, <laughs> as for my update, so I was gone this week for three days. I was in Chicago for an IFT mid-year meeting. So for those of our listeners who are unaware. IFT stands for the Institute of Food Technologists. It's essentially an association for people、um, in food science. And、yep. basically,、um, at this mid-year meeting, the Student Association, the IFT Board of Directors,、um, Feeding Tomorrow, the professional work groups, we all came together and kind of just discussed various things moving forward. And it was definitely a very interesting experience for me.、Mm-hmm. To get to kind of rub shoulders and talk to people, both new professionals who have just entered the workforce, as well as students, and also seasoned veterans、yeah. who have been in the industry for like forty, fifty years.、Mm-hmm. Hey, I think that was a, definitely a valuable experience for me. Yeah, I have a question though. Oh yeah, why are you invited? <laughs> so I got to go there because I am on the IFT Student Association board. So, for people who are interested, nominations are actually opening up in January, I believe. So definitely check it out. It's a great way to meet your peers. These are going to be the people you you will work with when you enter industry. It's a great network to have, and also very valuable experience overall. So oh yeah, definitely check it out. Yep, great for students. Yeah,、mm-hmm. Ben would know. He's also involved in some way with the student association. Oh,、so. I'm like a million levels lower than Amanda, though. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> He's、um, Ben is one of the competition chairs. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, moving on to our topic of the day. Mm-hmm. So Amanda's gonna share with us an anecdote of her mom, <laughs> right? Yes. Yep. So、um, we actually have a family group chat, and we also have, you know, various extended family group chats because we're a huge family. And my mom loves to forward these、um, little bite-sized pieces of food facts or food news to us, and a lot of times is grounded. In bad science or things that are just not in that that are just inaccurate. But the thing is, these things are so sensational, and it's about food, which everyone eats. That like when she sends it these family group chats that we have, my extended family goes crazy, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is happening to food!" And it's it's a lot of fear mongering. Oh yeah, and that 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 just kind of made me think about why is it that people are. You know why is it that people think that they can have an expert opinion on food and propagate that so easily and have people easily believe them, whereas people won't do the same to like medical knowledge or you know engineering knowledge. But when it comes to food, it's so easy for people to believe what is being said, and so easy for people to say something and have it believed.、Hmm. Yeah, definitely seen that in my life too. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, from what what I hear from you, it's um, so there's a lack of authority or credibility per se in sort of food knowledge or food information. That's right. Mm-hmm. Because everyone is an expert in food. Mm-hmm. And you know, in medical fields, you might have like I'm sure there are medical associations out there and whatnot that people look to as a source of information that they believe. But when it comes to food, I think the public's trust in FDA and in various food organizations have really waned over the years. People don't really believe in authority figures in food as much as other fields. I like from what I see. Uh huh. And do you think this is a sort of a PR failure for food industry or food,、um, not just regulation agencies, but like overall as a sector? Yeah, yeah, I think so.、Uh-huh, I think、yeah. in some ways it is a PR failure because insiders, people who work within the food industry, seems to have a pretty good understanding and you know know where to look for accurate information. But people who are not, it's it's a different story. So sort、mm-hmm. of how do we bridge that gap? There's still a very visible apparent gap in my opinion. Right, right, right. And、um, I was at the. A science communication、uh, workshop.、Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this was actually last year. They were one of the examples that the trainer was giving、uh, is、uh, the GMO corn example of Monsanto, and a lot of these jargons or terms that were used within the food industry or re- food researchers were not well translated to non-food、mm-hmm. scientists or people who have quote unquote. Lower science literacy, right? And、um, so it's really a communication problem or a PR problem in, in some way.、Mm-hmm. And that's exactly true. When you have two sets of people operating with a different set of vocabulary, a lot of miscommunication can definitely happen.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people sometimes would go to their preferred language. Yeah, and that—that's what you know. I was just introduced to food, babe. By Amanda today, <laughs> and I never thought that you know this was actually a actively,、um, how do we say, an internet figure. Yes. Or, yep. Uh huh. So can you fill us in on Food Babe? Sure. So Food Babe, for those of us who are not as familiar, she is what she calls she calls herself an activist for food, and. The scary thing, though, is she has a huge following. She has one million likes on Facebook alone, and basically, she goes around.、Um, I don't even know what's the right way to say this.、Mm-hmm. She, 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 she's an activist who criticizes the food industry. Oh yeah, and、mm-hmm. and believe me, I think there's a lot of things that are right, and also a lot of things that are wrong with the food industry that deserve change. But a lot of her. Efforts are misguided. She a lot of her ideas on food safety and you know has been grounded in pseudoscience.、Um, yeah, so it's very inaccurate. Some of it, right? So definitely, when when we look up information, we go to number one source,、uh, Twitter dot com. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, Ben. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the food babe tweets close to Halloween time was a chart.、Uh, we can include this tweet actually in our show note. We see that this is titled "Popular Halloween Candy."、Mm-hmm. 
with uh, brands and ingredients of common candies such as uh, Snackers, Rizzies, Pop, Butterfingers, and um, some of the ingredients were highlighted in red. Right. For example, artificial flavor in Snackers were highlighted, corn syrup was highlighted, and artificial flavor again was highlighted in the uh i think in the fillings too and uh some other ones were you know Mm -hmm. uh hydrogenated palm kernel oil uh different colorings red 40 yellow 5 yellow 6 blue 1 and uh actually some other emulsifiers Hmm. Mm -hmm. that's basically like the whole thing (laughs) yeah right um Minus minus the sugar and chocolate, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like what? Yeah, but but see, this is very interesting. Let's just take Snickers as an example. So so it has a milk chocolate component, which has sugar, cocoa butter, chocolate, skim milk, lactose, milk fat, soy lecithin, and artificial flavor. Mm-hmm. So soy lecithin is not highlighted, but artificial flavor is. Okay. And we go on to the um, to the filling. The inside of the Snicker has peanuts, corn syrup, sugar, palm oil, skim milk, lactose, salt, egg whites, and artificial flavors. Again, she does like highlight these ingredients that are quote unquote harmful to people or to kids. Right, right. But um, without giving too much of an explanation, yeah, I guess maybe maybe in her blogs that have. Mm-hmm. I think you know her her lack of evidence for I don't, evidence is a huge word to throw around, but the fact that she points out these ingredients as harmful and doesn't have anything to support it to me that's mm-hmm. you know like why and and I don't know about other countries, but in the United States at least, and I know the European Union as well. Um, for everything that you add to food as additives, right, you need to have a very strong case for it. These these additives are tested. It takes a long time for them to be um, kind of verified and considered safe to use in foods. And even so, when these regulations pass, it's not like, okay, you can use um, this ingredient in all foods. No, it's for a very specific application a lot of times. Right, 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 and and some of these are hmm, how do how do we say? I don't want to say that it's it's necessarily it's not it's not necessarily good for the person, right? It's for the consumer, but it's necessary for formulating consistent food like Snackers. Right, people want their food to look a certain way. Right. right, right, right. Like when and, you buy and, salad dressing, you don't want it to separate too much. People like to see a homogenous salad mixture, and to do that, you know, food pr- product developers have to use emulsifiers right, to right, give right. that end products, right? And at the same mm-hmm. time, a lot of additives that are added are used just to preserve the food and make sure that from the shelf all the way to your house and to when you eat it your food remains safe. It's free from microbial risk. Right. Uh, which to me is actually a bigger concern than whatever potential harm that people think food additives can have, mm-hmm. like chemically in that sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and another point, I think, in terms of adding these functional ingredients, 
is to 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 make up the volume that's produced. Right. Any given Halloween, there there's millions, if not billions, of candies being handed away,、mm-hmm. and kids eat them.、Uh, there there are certain brands, and brands would produce very consistent quality products. And in order to do that in a safe and consistent way, some of these some some of these functional ingredients are necessary to produce that. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure that it it might not be it, it's definitely highly processed or highly how do we say it's like a concentrated step, right? It's very it's very industrialized ingredients、mm-hmm. that is that that is used solely for the purpose of. Giving the consistency and safe food. Yeah, but not to say that these are bad for whoever's consuming it. Right. I just think when people think about manufacturing in such a large scale and seeing all these unfamiliar ingredient names, there's that natural instinct to tend towards fear. You know, if you don't know something and you're eating it and consuming it, I think a lot of times your initial reaction is aversion and fear. Because you don't know what you're putting in your body, and it's understandable.、Right. Which is also why I think a huge part of alleviating this problem is educating consumers,、mm-hmm. um, not fear, not fear mongering, not spreading sensational news, but just telling people what it is. And you know, it's not as easy as that. Definitely. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, you、right. know, presenting just presenting facts is not. A great way to convince someone. Sometimes people just want to believe what they want to believe.、Mm-hmm. So、yeah. it's it's not an easy job.、Mm-hmm. For and, sure. And I think、um, uh, this goes back to、uh, our previous discussions. Gary Renisia's longtime、uh, flavor chemist,、um, pioneer in multiple food industries、uh, related、right. to f-、uh, to flavor. I think it was one of his interviews that he did with a news agency. He shared an anecdote was that the amount of grapes, the plant and the fruit that's produced, it's only like a quarter or thirty percent of the total wine, grape juice, grape flavored candies produced. Only thirty percent. Yeah. So 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 that means、uh, there's about at least sixty to seventy percent of that flavor of grapes. It's not coming from actual the plant grape. Right, right. So, are you saying that when someone makes wine, only thirty percent of the flavor is from the grapes itself? No, no, no.、Is、like, that... like overall, overall, right? For for wine, it it got to be a hundred percent. Right. But say, but say for a Starburst candy, oh, okay, it might be zero percent. Right, 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 right. Because、right. all of all of that is. Either flavor concentrate、uh, or or actually some kind of synthetic flavor compounds. Yeah, and that does sound scary if you、right. just tell people that it's synthetic flavor compounds. Right, people are like,、we、where say, does that we, come from? Right, we say it without any lag, very casually throw those in. <laughs> yeah, no, when you said that, <laughs> Ben, when you said that, I was like, okay, what what is the Point he was trying to make here—that <laughs> that was the only thing I was thinking. But now that he explained it, it makes sense. I think to us, because we, we've been in this thing for long enough, that it doesn't really—we don't raise an eyebrow at it. But for other people, it might be, oh my god, only thirty percent. 
where does the other flavors come from, right? So, like you said, it goes back to sort of the educational aspect of it. Yeah. When you don't know something versus when you do know something,、mm-hmm. and also sort of how people who do know about certain things, like the insiders on this information, sometimes we forget that other people. Might not be aware of certain things, and we assume. And we should always be very careful when we assume we're operating from different sets of worldviews,、mm-hmm. and that can sometimes, you know, bring about problems. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And since we already touched on this, should we just keep going on the topic of natural versus process versus artificial versus synthetic? Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> Go ahead. We can talk about like the processed food and how processed food, the definition kind of varies depending、yeah. on who you talk to.、Should、yeah. Talk about that. So processed food. What do you think? It's a processed food, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want me to give you the general consumer definition or my own definition or the food science definition? I want to know the standard deviation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's a lot. <laughs> to put it simply, it's a lot. So I think、okay. when consumers think about processed food, they're thinking about Lay's potato chips or like sorry Lay's, I love you though.、Um, <laughs> they're talking. They're thinking about、um, foods that are high in fats, sugar, in that sense, right? Something that's typically viewed as unhealthy and junk food. Snacks. I think that's what consumers think of when they think of processed food.、Mm-hmm. To me, and I think the sort of general definition within the food the food industry though is that processed food is any food that has been processed. Which is, if you think about the modern world, almost any food. If you think about like a box of crackers, that's that's processed food because a lot of things have been done to it. You know, right? If you think about if you, if you think about Um, baby carrots. That's also processed food because they cut these regular size carrots into, I guess, baby shapes. So th- that involves some amount of processing. And almost any food today, at least in modern day, I think involves some amount of processing to make it safe. Right, right. Can you give us some examples of processing? Like just, just to say, just to say, the level of processing also has a pretty big standard deviation. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You know, when I talk about baby carrots, that's probably within the context of everything else con-、uh, considered minimally processed. You might harvest the carrots. You, they might go through a washing procedure, and then they might be cut, packaged. There might be and then shipped off, and that could be considered very minimally processed. There's also,、mm-hmm. if you think about maybe,、um, let's go back to the example of a box of crackers. You have your wheat fields.、Um, you harvest wheat. They go through a whole process of being milled and everything, and made into flour. And then that flour is used to make dough for your cracker, and your cracker is processed in the oven. Its heat is applied. Packaging is done, etc. So, depending on what food we're talking about, the amount of processing might be different. But there is definitely processing involved, right? But see that that again that that is how two different groups of people kind of use the same word differently,、mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 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 right. Because sort of the scientific notation of processing is. Binary.、Mm-hmm. It's either you processed it or not processed it. The term processed food 
does not imply how much of the process is there. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. I love that zero to one reference. <laughs> That's the R side of you speaking. Oh, what? The binary term. <laughs> the binary term. <laughs> okay. Anyways, we can talk about those later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>、um, yeah. So, what about what about natural food? I know. What? 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 That this is such a highly debated and contested word, but、mm-hmm. what do you think of when you think of natural food? Um, for me, I feel natural food only. It doesn't quite mean a lot to me personally. I would say I would refer fresh produce and meat as natural food if I have to give an a category of food. It, it, it's in its rawest form. I would say. Well, it's normally just like raw food. Then I would say like requires kitchen processing before eating. Right, right. So it requires more processing. Right, right, right. Prior to consumption. Right, right, right. But it's not like frozen food that you just throw in the oven or microwave, so it comes out as as finished food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Uh, yeah. So, so I guess I guess natural doesn't really mean too much to me personally. But I feel natural to consumers or foods that are branded as natural want people to perceive that it is healthy. Right. Right, I think I think that's that's where the the connotation is going. It's it's for healthiness.、Mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people perceive natural as being minimally processed and natural in a sense, like you said, it's healthier because it's closer to maybe what our ancestors might have eaten. That's sort of to me, it's kind of a good marketing ploy more than anything else. Or natural just means it's expensive. Oh yeah, yeah. That that price tag, that additional fifty percent price hike. Yep. Right, right, right. I I feel those words are also like natural is commonly used with organic, uh, non-GMO, blah yeah. blah blah, all,、yeah. all those stickers. Right. Hmm. And I think consumers are definitely, you know, some consumers are definitely willing to pay that extra price premium just for the natural label. Yeah, that's that, that's another thing. Is there's a societal perception on price and the perceived notion of the price to the food, right? And and that that、um, I, I think I think the society, especially in the U.S., has been shaped towards processed food equals to cheap food,、mm-hmm. natural food or organic food equals expensive to more expensive food. food. Yeah, no, that's definitely、yeah. true. The expensive part is, I feel that that that's like a very fixed perception in people's mind, right? And then price tag definitely matters because、uh, food is such an everyday essential.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even it's kind it's kind of like a show off your your social status in in some、right. way. If you can afford to shop at Whole Foods all the time, <laughs> you know, if you only eat, if you only drink organic milk. You know, that's I guess for some, yeah, it's 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 a pretty interesting indicator of、uh, people's social economic status. So I guess that goes back to the point of、okay. food, our food choices being a very personal thing for a lot of people. Obviously,、mm-hmm. 
as food scientists, we want people to be educated and know and understand sort of what facts there are out there, so that they can make better choices for them themselves and their families. But we also don't, at the same time, we don't want to claim authority on the matter. You know, food is obviously very personal. There's a lot of cultural things that go behind it, and what we talked about today is just one facet of it. Um, we're talking more about the scientific knowledge that is grounded in food,、mm-hmm. but once again, it's so you know, food is such a huge topic. You know, there's food politics. We could go into policy and all of that stuff, right? But because、mm-hmm. it's such a personal topic that often evokes a visceral reaction in people, we also want to tread carefully,、um, but also kind of give give our two cents on sort of the signs of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess this is an episode that's inspired by Amanda's recent trip, <laughs> and、um, we just want to continue to explore on these terms. And I feel this might be a great、uh, great part of the future episodes. Would just be try to make sense or try to、uh, elaborate on what we discussed today. Into some future episodes related to either we can have some news topics in here,、mm-hmm. uh, or we could actually bring some food and、uh, and talk about the specific categories or specific types of food. Right. Yeah. For sure. I think this episode we didn't have a very strong, like a very solid framework, but it was for us to kind of like talk about it, throw around some ideas, and I think we got a lot of inspiration and little nuggets of potential things we can do next time. So definitely、oh, yeah. stay tuned, everyone. <laughs>、mm-hmm. More things are forthcoming. Yeah. 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 And.、Um... I feel this is out of our own responsibilities to kind of laying out all these issues around yeah. food. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I I feel the same way. I think you know when we we also feel like it's a responsibility for us to kind of debunk certain food myths that people might have because you know it's it's an important thing what people eat,、mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but like me, for me personally, I I don't really care that much. <laughs> like even if I know, right? Even if I know, I I don't really care that much. I, I guess、yeah. it goes to two extremes. Some people, the more they know, the more、um, they 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 try to regulate everything. Right, right, right. Uh huh. All right. What about、yeah. you? Um, I feel like I'm also like I care. About what I eat, but not as much as I probably should.、Um, but I think what we care about is different, right? Okay, I don't want to like go too far off into this, but just to leave this for our listeners to think about. I think a lot of people, what they care most when it comes to food is like, oh my god, food additives. This is so scary. Oh my god, pesticides in food. Like obviously that's important too. But for me, I guess like my concern with food comes more from like the food safety and microbiology side of things,、mm-hmm. because I think a lot more people are affected yearly and die and get sent to hospitals because of unsafe food, in the sense that these foods are microbiologically microbiolo- at risk more than you know like oh this food additive is so scary. So、mm-hmm. I guess like my concern about food comes from like a different direction. But overall, you know, I don't really, I don't really think that much before I eat something. You know,、mm-hmm. I'm not scared of like 
oh my god, there's this thing on the label, should I eat it? Like, I guess I'm kind of like you, even though I know, the more I know, it's not like I'm more afraid of it or anything. So. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good uh, ending of this episode. Bonus episode for everybody who's interested in misconceptions and conceptions of the food. Yep, that's right. And stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be um, part two about the grad school application process.